1: Welcome back, America. How are we doing this week?
2: Hey. 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 I love show days.
1: I do too. I really miss them. I
2: really miss them. <laughs> Every week I'm like, oh man, now it's Monday, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, it's Thursday, it's you Friday. Know,
1: we start panicking about the show map like mm-hmm. 72 hours before the show actually begins. And then we knock it out in like two hours and then we're like, oh, no more <laughs> show related homework. It's to fun do. to
2: plan. It's fun yeah, to it plan. It really
1: is. I really like, <laughs> if I could do
2: this for a living.
1: For a living. that mm-hmm. would be a happy man.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How are we doing, everybody? I hope you guys have been surviving this week because I'm not going to use the normal cordial language because we live in hell world. So I'm just going to say, I hope you're still alive. I hope you've got your Mad Max attire on. Keep that leather jacket firmly,
2: you know, uh, oiled. I yep. think that's what they use. Yeah, yep. Keep
1: it oiled. You know, it's, it's out there in that hot post-apocalyptic Keep it sun. lotioned
2: so it won't crack.
1: Keep your canine companion close by. You know they eat those now. <laughs> anyway... Pound World, we have an interesting show for you as always. We do, um, yeah. A little more interesting than usual, I think. We had an opportunity to kind of, I don't know, just randomly ran into a politician. Um, yeah, she was trolling my newsfeed, I guess, and uh, caught me talking about some incendiary. Not trolling. Trolling
2: means negativity. Oh
1: well, maybe just. Tro- she was searching, just scrolling. Yes,
2: yeah. scrolling, scrolling my news
1: your newsfeed. News feed. I got to get with the hip lingo, and uh,
2: no, he didn't. <laughs> You're fired. I'm not fired. It's <laughs> my show. You can't fire me. You're fired.
1: <laughs> but anyway, she, she, um, she noticed I was saying some pretty incendiary things about police officers who, you know, like Zenos and anybody who knows me, those are my people. And I've been training them and I've worked with them. And I've always had the back the blue. It might as well have been emblazoned on my forehead. But given the situation in the world right now where. Police are enforcing tyrannical mandates. They've just decided to take a giant dookie on the Constitution. They are beating the crap out of civilians who simply just want to be able to go to the store and breathe freely. And I'm sorry, man. Like, if you're one of those Praetorian guards, you're not on my side. And uh, she saw me posting all about all this Mm -hmm. and she reached out to me and said, you know, these are some issues I wanted to address. And uh, so we got to a talking, you know, on the DMs.
2: Wait, she slid in your.
1: She slid oh, in so my DMs, yeah. Oh,
2: okay, okay Stephanie, did. I see you. I see how you do, right? Wow, okay. I mean, it works. I already know she's trained to fight, but I will try. <laughs> I'll put in a good effort for I my mans. I will try.
1: <laughs> but, but, we, uh, but I got the opportunity to uh, interview uh, Stephanie Hopkins, the first female candidate for the sheriff's position in Wake County, North Carolina. And- it was a good interview. Um, she, I don't think she realized because she watched the show and she was like, oh, I love the tenor of the show. It sounds very jokey. You guys are great. You have a lot of fun. This would be a lot of fun. She comes in there and I just hit her harder than Brian Stelter, man. <laughs> she was like, wow, that was more serious than I thought.
2: But what is Brian Stelter hitting? Lots Ooh, of donuts, what? chicken legs.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to go a different direction with that joke.
2: You know he don't hit women. <laughs> mm. Let's be serious.
1: <laughs> he is a potato.
2: <laughs> but... <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say lard, but okay.
1: <coughs> no, that's like the internet meme. Brian Stelter's a potato.
2: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: Everybody calls him one. Ah, uh, what a thing to be famous for. Yeah, but anyway, it's a great interview. Um, and there's, you you can see my intensity isn't because I'm like trying to be some kind of like faux journalist. It's because I actually care about these issues and they're close to home for me. Um, I actually used to work in the Wake County jail up until a few months ago. I left for lots of reasons. And we actually went over some of this um, with Mrs. Hopkins. So it's a great interview. Um, It's very informative, especially if you're local. And even if you aren't, I think just based on what she said, just based on this interview alone and some of the conversations I had this is the kind of person that we need on the front lines now. We need people that
2: think like her. Yeah, for yeah. sure. 100%. And
1: I think I think this would be really, oof, if we get more people like that in all levels of government, things would drastically improve. With
2: some kahunas, that'd be nice. Seriously,
1: yeah. co- you know, kahunas, big kahunas.
2: Big, heavy.
1: She's a, she's a small woman. She's petite, but she's got
2: ones of balls. steel. Yeah. Like when she walked out, when you yeah. walked her out, I heard them clinking.
1: You heard them clinking together? Yeah. That was something else. No, I was so it confused. wasn't. It
2: wasn't me. It was her.
1: Well, she, she carries them well. But anyway, we're going to play that for you now. Uh, this was recorded earlier, and then we'll get back to the live show. So, interview with Stephanie Hopkins.
0: Um, Well, like I, you know, like we just said, you know, on
1: you piped up and you basically said, "This is what I'm so concerned about. This is why I want to talk to you and others like you." And so we we shook hands on it and decided to have you come in and do an interview.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, So I do have a series of questions for you uh, just to help people get to know who you are and also get a sense of what your platform is Mm -hmm. and uh, some of the things that you have, hopefully ideas on how to, deal with the current situation going on in Wake County, North Carolina, as far as law enforcement's concerned.
0: Yeah. And as soon as you said that, my platform went blank in my head. So we'll just go with it. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, maybe (laughs) the questions will bring it back. Yeah. So, you know, what prompted you to run for sheriff in the first place?
0: Well, obviously just witnessing and seeing everything going on and, you know, everything that happened last summer Mm -hmm. in Wake County and downtown and just seeing, you know, I like, like you, I sat there watching television and seeing the police being forced to stand down and not protecting businesses and right. whatnot. And the sheriff did, uh, he did not do his job. You know, the sheriff could have, you know, mm-hmm. came in and said, no, we're gonna protect these businesses. We're gonna protect these people's livelihoods.
1: Right, it was kind of shockingly bad actually. and. At the time I was working in the department, I was a detention officer, so I wasn't a road officer. So I didn't actually have to deal with the riots myself, but I had to deal with the rioters when they got brought into the jail. And that was interesting experience in its own way.
0: And protecting the jail in itself. I mean, I'm sure there was a concern there and I'm sure that inside was, it gets, they know what's going on outside. So it revs them up as well.
1: Right. And so there was a lot of media blackouts that took place Uh whenever things were happening downtown or whatever, like a shooting happened where there was a white, um, shooter, whether it was an officer or a civilian, and there was a black victim that was always a news blackout. Sure, um, They wouldn't deliver the papers those days. They wouldn't say why. Um, you know, we had to deal with a lot of riots in our own. A lot of people don't realize that it wasn't just like the downtown areas when all the BLM and Antifa stuff was going on. They right. also targeted a lot of government buildings, and right. the jail was one of them. Correct. Um, so we had to constantly get escorted or have to deal with going through a bunch of protesters just to go into work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so getting back to, you know, your platform and what you're up to... Um, you know many of your opponents on both sides of the political aisle have more experience mm-hmm. and or on, so it appears on paper, right
0: on paper and in law
1: enforcement so why should voters pull a lever for you rather than those opponents who allegedly have more bona fides for this particular job um
0: well like i you know like we just said you know on paper a lot of people look great mm-hmm. you know but we don't know what's inside their heart i know what's inside my heart and i know what my intentions are mm-hmm. and my intentions are for the people You know we we need to work for the people that's you know the people vote me in right right that's who i answer to
1: well i think a lot of people don't realize too is that a sheriff's position is not like a promotion from say major or correct another like sort of paramilitary position the sheriff is the highest administrator and the highest ranking officer, yes, but they're still an elected person, right? Correct. You know, like the president to use an extreme example is the head of the military, but that doesn't mean that they have to actually have any military experience to be qualified for the job. Correct. Right. So with that in mind, I think a lot of people going into it should realize that while law enforcement experience can be good and beneficial, I don't know that it's necessarily the be all end all. Uh,
0: No, I mean, the thing is, you know, like you said, as far as the sheriff being elected and brought in by the people, right? It's not, it's not something that's promoted. So you're basing your vote, you know, your voting decision is based upon what I tell you about myself. Right. And s- I can't speak for all the guys that are that are running. I can't. I don't know what's in their heart. I don't know what's in their mind. I do know a couple of the guys that are running um, alongside me. I don't want to say they're running against me. I feel that I'm running alongside them because you know as a as a lifelong conservative, um a constitutional conservative, I would like to think that they feel and that you know that their intentions are just like mine, but I don't know that they are, you know.
1: Well, you know what you have and what you plan to do. That yes. Makes sense. So speaking of that, what problems do you see specifically with the department in Wake County Sheriff's Department? And what are some <laughs> possible solutions that you have to offer?
0: Uh, well, for starters, not many people want to hear about the budget, right? But that's the one of the main concerns sure. is, is the budget. You know, they have a budget of $108 million. And from my understanding, Sheriff Baker has completely ravaged it mm. um you know just very very um frivolous with uh his
1: experimental his, 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 weapons his, that they can't use there you the go specialized equipment that doesn't really he, get action
0: absolutely he has a bulletproof vehicle you mm. know i believe that was um hundred and twenty thousand roughly um like kind of like he, a colombian drug lord i guess i don't know i don't know why he feels like he needs it um but i know that his deputies don't have uh that same you know, luxury. Oh God, no. And they're the ones that are out patrolling, right? Um, but you know, as far as the budget goes, you know, and I don't know if you know this or not. You know, his salary is one hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars a year. Just to put that into perspective, our governor earns one hundred and forty-one thousand. Okay. Okie dokie. So you're looking at someone who runs the state compared to someone who runs. Yes, it is the largest county. Um, compared, you know, in comparison, that's astronomical difference, mm. right? So I uh, once once elected. I am requesting an eighty-five thousand dollars pay cut. The average sheriff makes one hundred and ten thousand a year. I want to bring it down to a hundred thousand, and I want to put that eighty-five thousand dollars back into the budget. I'm also going to auction off his car and put that back into the budget as well. I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> so whoever wants that, maybe we can sell it to a Colombian drug lord. I don't know. Yeah, he might get a good price. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, speaking of Sheriff Baker, um, yes, he ran, I believe, on a Democratic-supported kind of anti-Trump mandate. Sure. He was clearly riding an anti-Trump wave, and there was a lot of other elections that happened in other places where it seemed to have that same momentum for the same reason. Sure. Um, I also believe that race played a huge role in him getting elected. Um, Donnie Harrison, the previous sheriff before Baker was elected, he was smeared as a bigot and kind of like a good old boy. Mm -hmm. And despite years of really good service and multiple reelections, which meant obviously all people from all different demographics trusted him to do his job. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, now he's a bigot. Now he's out, right? Okay. You know, and, and how do you intend to win over the black and Democrat voters when there's such a powerful kind of leftist agenda at play.
0: If I can just touch on that. Um, I will say this, Donnie Harrison is not a bigot. Mm. I myself am not a bigot. It's so easy to claim that, right? It's so easy to say, uh, eh, they're white. They must, they, they wear, you know, a police badge, they wear a uniform. They must be a bigot. Sure. Um, so let me just put that out there about Donnie. He's a great person. Um, I consider him a friend. Um, as far as, getting the democrats to understand where we're coming from they need to understand that this isn't about right this isn't about left this is about all of us and once the democrats start to realize that their rights are being taken away believe it or not most democrats are conservative they're they're secret republicans in my book they are a lot of them are conservative they're they're god-fearing christians and i think now they're starting to wake up a little bit more and more. And I think they're realizing, you know, Sheriff Baker was obviously not the right choice. I think a lot of them assumed that he was related to John Baker who served for 26 years. That was a
1: mistake I often heard even from officers.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that was, I think that was one thing that they were riding on as well. Um, Lack of education, you know, just lack of knowledge about, you know, who, who you're putting into that position. And I don't know, you said you worked at the jail, Correct. Right. Okay. So did you know that Sheriff Baker was let go? He was forced to resign from his position in the courthouse when he was a sergeant (laughs) and then he turned around and ran for
1: there were rumors that swirled about him on a number of different topics but I always just attribute it to rumors but that particular bit of information I was never told no.
0: yes yeah so I mean it just you just never know who you're putting into office and unfortunately um for Donnie you know he did lose um for many reasons you know um and definitely that was
1: one of the critiques of his campaigning was that he got too comfortable and he just kind of assumed it was in the bag after, and ran and ran on his name multiple times yeah he didn't really push him back against the smears yes and that's a critique that i've made myself
0: i and i happen to agree with that okay i think if you're if i think if you're being smeared mm. you have to respond yeah you need to respond it's important as a public official you know he he's he is a public figure in this community and a lot of people look up to him and he absolutely should have addressed that in a big way
1: yeah i agree um there was something you said to me in our initial discussions when mm-hmm. we were just talking online. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that one of the things that was a top priority to you as far as implementing programs was constitutional training, or at least increased knowledge of the constitution for new deputies and detention officers when they go through the academy. You yeah. Can you elaborate on that?
0: Yeah. So that kind of, you know, coincides with, I, I know that you and I were discussing CRT as well and how right. that's going to affect, um. you know. Our officers coming in. These the newer officers that are coming in, whether it be uh, deputy sheriffs or city cops. Um, a lot of these younger this younger generation, they're already coming in indoctrinated, right? They're yeah. coming in indoctrinated. They're you know civics has been pulled from most high schools, government classes, learning about our country, our history, the Constitution. A lot of that has been pulled. And that that goes to show you last summer, and what's happening right now, you know these a mandate is not a law, right? Cool. I would never approach someone and say, "I'm going to place you under arrest because you don't have a mask on or mm-hmm. or I'm going to trespass you for being on this property without a mask well
1: but before you finish that question about but, constitution i would I would like to ask about that like this is one of my deep personal concerns is, is that when it comes to mask and covid vaccinations passports that sort of Mm -hmm. thing movement licenses however you want to phrase it right as the sheriff or will these be things that you will enforce and to what extent
0: i will never enforce any kind of vaccine mandate mask mandate absolutely not it's not a law how can i enforce something that isn't on the books it's absolutely unconstitutional your health your personal choice is none of my business
1: good to know Um, but sorry, but getting back to you, the constitutional training, that's okay. So
0: I think it's extremely important for not only the deputies coming because you know, a lot of the detention officers, they are put into the academy. They move forward from being a detention officer and put into the academy to become a deputy sheriff. Um, I think it's extremely important to, this is what I plan on doing. I'm going to implement a constitutional course. It's not going to be just touching on it. Mm. It's going to be a questionnaire once you apply to be a deputy sheriff, I want to know, what do you know about the constitution? What do you know before I even tell you anything? Interesting. Okay, then, because most of them aren't going to know very much, um, implement that into the course or into the class, into the academy, test them again once it's said and done. Because how can you take an oath for something that you don't understand? How can you take an oath for, for something that you have no knowledge of? You can't. And then you'd have, then you turn around and, and take away someone's liberty. Hmm. That is completely just mind blowing to me. So guess what? If you don't pass, you don't get a badge, you don't get a gun. It's as simple as that.
1: Um, you mentioned briefly too, um, the role of CRT and anti-racism training. What role, if any, will that play in your administration? Should you be elected?
0: As far, there will be no role. CRT, you mean as far as like,
1: Will you be integrating any kind of CRT or anti training not. in the academies? Absolutely not. Okay.
0: Absolutely not. All
1: right. No. Um, now
0: there's a difference with, may I say this, mm-hmm. there are ways of implementing like verbal judo, how to speak to someone from a different culture than you, how to speak to someone like you're a man, right? Sure. And say you're, say you're an officer and I'm a woman and I've just been raped. Don't you feel that certain questions you ask me and the way you approach me as a woman who's just been violated, don't you feel as a man, you have to tread lightly sure. and know what to say and how to say it.
1: Yeah. There's definitely, and there's also going to definitely be the risk of them kind of viewing you as the perpetrator, depending on how recent the attack Correct.
0: was. Correct.
1: That association's difficult. That's why I think female officers tend to want to be on site for that kind of thing. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Female officers are extremely important. So you're,
1: you, what you're saying is, is you would like to integrate more in terms of practical methods that we can talk to one another, different genders, different cultural groups, different ethnicities from a practical law enforcement standpoint, but you would focus less on like sort of the Ibram X. Kendi, all white people are racist. You're all, you all need to get past your unconscious biases and whatnot.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: All right. Um, well, you know, I have to ask this question as stupid as it sounds because it's now become such a hot button topic. And Mm. I know for a fact, I should say anecdotally because I'm not holding, you know, affidavits in my hand, no, okay. but Sheriff Baker essentially would sit in on the panel interviews for all the new hires and he would ask them a question if they were part of a certain ethnic group and he would basically say, are you a racist? But he would only ask these questions of white officers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so not
0: only whites can be racist.
1: Well, yeah, with that I agree, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people who would argue that that's not true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, do you believe that all white officers are inherently racist?
0: Absolutely not. Okay. No. Absolutely not. I had to ask. Of course. No, absolutely. Because there's a lot of
1: people who might disagree with you.
0: I'm sure there are a lot of people who disagree with me. Um, however, I mean, it, I don't even see how that would be possible. <laughs> I, I really don't.
1: Uh, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. Um, Now, as far as promotion, uh, one of the big sticking points and one of the issues that's causing the jail specifically, I don't know about the roadside, the Mm -hmm. deputy side, Mm -hmm. but the detention side specifically uh, was a revolving door when I worked there because one of of many reasons, but one of the reasons was uh, no promotional potential. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless you were like inside the the Baker fan club or you knew the admin or there was some kind of
2: like something going.
1: Hey, it looks like we're having technical difficulties. We're not really sure what's going on. We apologize for cutting that interview off halfway. Uh, we will try to get that back up and running as soon as we can. But right now, we're just going to continue the show as planned.
2: But what we can do is, uh, uh, because it was pre-recorded, we'll just we'll upload it, and mm-hmm. it'll be good, and it won't move like... Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm so pissed, I want to flip this whole building upside down. <laughs> so I'm smiling to let y'all know that I'm not going to hurt Z yeah. with collateral damage. Also, one of the lights decided is blinking and making weird noises like we were in a fire drill.
2: Everything's breaking down. Everything is studio breaking studio at once. Right also, now.
1: there's a monsoon outside, <laughs> and I just feel like the devil is just trying to cancel this program tonight. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, thank you all for trying to ride ride that uh, wave with us. Um, it was a good interview while it lasted. It was. We'll yeah. definitely get the rest of it up there. Um, I don't know what's happening. It might be it might actually be because of the weather. It might mm-hmm. be causing internet issues. I don't know. I'm not an expert, um, but that's never happened before, at least not on this program. So again, I apologize. Yeah, this is not her fault. She is fantastic. She always has this stuff lined up and clutch and ready to go. We just get weird curveballs sometimes. It's just how life is.
2: Yep. Sorry, guys. I'm take it one thing and at sorry, a time. And sorry, Stephanie. You you're great, and we're gonna make sure that. That gets out because it was a pretty pretty darn good interview.
1: Yeah, we will definitely get that up and running and running properly so that I don't look like I'm talking in a Chinese movie. That's <laughs> racist. With bad subtitles. It's racism. Bad voice dubbing. Um,
2: Do you want to like kind of just in case the people that are watching right now don't uh, get to watch the, the, the actual interview, mm-hmm. like a synopsis or an overview.
1: Yeah. And you know, and, and this is not an excuse to America's fans to not watch the entire interview because it is very, very good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Very she's informative. great. And, uh, especially if you're a resident where we are, it's, this is somebody worth following. Yeah. Um, but essentially, um, we related our personal experience working in jails. She worked for mm-hmm. the state at central prison. I worked for Wake County. So I worked at the Hammond road jail. Um, we went back and forth about some major issues um, how she's going to train new officers we approached mm-hmm. some of the major questions you know are you going to enforce mask mandates are you going to enforce covid restrictions right her position was absolutely not um we got into the terrible state of the jail the uh the lack of officer confidence and administration mm-hmm. and the feeling like they're they're basically just out there all alone. Mm-hmm. Nobody has their back. We discussed a lot of these issues. We even discussed um, ways to enhance training to prepare an elite, her words, not mine, an elite force mm-hmm. of officers who would be proud to be in the uniform, who, you know, sort of hold up to the highest standards physically, ethically, and morally, and in terms of their uh, constitutional knowledge too, as well. So, you know, I mentioned things like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, having a better training program, and she was absolutely for it. So, I tell you what, she's a forward thinker when it comes to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. She's saying all the right things. So, you know, give her a look, mm-hmm. Stephanie Hopkins, check out her campaign, check out her platform, see if that's the person you wanna pull a lever for if you're a local voter, but... Um, we need more people like that running.
2: And it wasn't a softball interview. I mean, she was like, "Yeah, oh, these questions are hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Afterwards, she was like, oh, those it, 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 we had questions that actually made her kind of have mm-hmm. to think a little bit. So um, it was good. She, she's got kahunas and that's kind of what we need. I mean, I, I, when you work in the jail last year during mm-hmm. the summer of love. A.K. Um, mostly peaceful. <laughs> I love that you
1: keep calling it that. It's like that's stuck what in they my called it. Now.
2: That's what they called it. Um, and it was like mostly peaceful protests and stuff. Uh, when you would come, uh, when when at, like after your shift, we would hang out the next day, mm-hmm. and you would tell me some of the things that were going on in there, and you couldn't talk about it at the at the time because you worked there. I was like, I I I, I don't feel safe. <laughs> you shouldn't, it was uh, a yeah. understaffed and uh, you know, you, you felt kind of nervous because you're white there. Like, and, and you're not a sensitive person. So no. when you're, when you come back and you're like, I'm a little bit, uh, I, I feel like I'm kind of being discriminated against and you're not a, you're not always complaining about things. I was like, it may, very well be happening. So who, who the sheriff is really matters. It really matters on our safety. It matters on, um, when like you buying a gun, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. When I, before I had my uh, concealed carry, I wanted to get a pistol purchase permit and it took forever.
1: Yeah. And what people don't realize too, is that with the COVID craziness, the, the real difference between absolute tyranny and your personal liberty it really boils down to local law enforcement officials.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, President Biden could cough out some kind of federal law. Everybody has to wear two masks or they're gonna go to jail for two years. <laughs> Ice cream. And suddenly everybody's panicking. Well, if your local sheriff or your local police administrator, mm-hmm. right? Whoever whoever the chief of the police is, if they just decide, nah, not gonna enforce it. Yep. Old Joe's just going to be sitting there twiddling his thumbs because it really boils down to you can enact tyranny unless the local Praetorians or the local guards enforce it.
2: I won't give everything away because we actually want you to go watch the interview right. uh, later. But she even has a way to educate um, deputies on, on that matter right. as well. I won't say it. I don't think we should say it. No, go it's, back a, good, and it's a good
1: interview and you need to watch the whole thing. And yeah. we're not going to give you any more uh, any more hints.
2: She's um, also legitimately cool, by the way.
1: No, it was funny because this actually happens to us a lot. We get these people who, for one reason or another, we want to have them on the show because they have some interesting perspective on something mm-hmm. or they have some interesting job or whatever, or they reach out to us and we're like, yeah, why not? And they always end up being like the kind of people we just want to hang out with. I'll be like, you know, outside of your sheriff's stuff, like, we just want to have a drink with you and laugh because you are hysterical. And she's like, uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah,
2: like you can hang out with uh me and Scotty. No, I was like, when Nate Logan
1: me. came on the show, I completely forgot about the show map. We were having so much fun mm-hmm. and then like, you know,
2: like, oh. Who's
1: gotagi? That guy's great. He's great. And he's chill. Yeah, you know, it's just I enjoy all of these people.
2: Yeah, fun stuff.
1: We're just accumulating friends, folks. It's not really a serious show. We're just having our buddies on. Um, but hence it,
2: the reason we don't have good internet. <laughs> I don't know what is happening. We're
1: <laughs> trying so hard if here. If the light
2: goes out, it's because that <laughs> this this light right here is like nah,
1: I, don't know. I ain't working today. No, 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 no. I worked too hard and rushed over here after a long day at work. And I worked really hard on this interview and I worked really hard on this show map. And I tell you what, if everything in this room fails, I will sit here with my iPhone flashlight on my face like a dad telling bad, scary stories around a campfire. And we'll finish this show like that. All right. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, right, was gonna... get,
2: you were getting all red faced. I got scared. I thought it was going to be domestic violence. <laughs> right. I thought you were going to Ike me. Ike Tina. Iced. I was like, do I have to take off my Ooh. band? <laughs> Rolling down a river. Was a, I thought Rolling. I was gonna have the Rihanna you.
1: Oof, oof. Let's move on. Yes. Um, well, speaking <laughs> of uh speaking of violence. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I've uh I've got a good use of force for you guys today. Check Ready? it out. Uh I want to like my intro, please.
2: Oh. Oh my gosh. You're fired. You're fired. Will you still marry me
1: though? You already have the ring. I can't take it back. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I can't talk violence without my awesome intro. <laughs> Welcome to You, Force. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about how to survive a mob beatdown. Mm. And I've got some footage for you to digest. I will narrate as usual. Fire away, my Z.
2: Start it over. Boom, boom. All
1: right. So we've got a gentleman approaching what looks like a hotel. And another gentleman in a wife beater. Uh, t- looks like a young, tall black man approaches him. Has a couple words with him. And oh my gosh, the picture's doing that thing again. Anyway... He seems to call over what looks like a crowd of about another 13 people. At which point they approach this individual and violence ensues. And this gets real hairy. So for those of you folks who are not watching the video, essentially, this man takes a full on mob beating. Uh, At one point, he gets knocked unconscious and is on the ground. And then the initial individual with the white beater decides to take a nice big stomp on his head. Oof. Now go ahead and try and play it again, dear. We're obviously dealing with some serious bandwidth issues. I don't know why this is happening. Um, But as you can see, this is one of those nightmare scenarios for a lot of people. One, because they don't exactly like to start fights with entire mobs of people over the dozen. Mm -hmm. So one of the obvious questions is, is what do you do? Mm -hmm. Well, this video brings up a lot of basic themes and I'm sorry for those of you who are trying to watch this and you're just not getting a clear picture, but, When you're dealing with mob violence, you have to think to yourself, all right, what was the before? Mm. In this case, this could be, and I'm not familiar with the context. This could be a situation where maybe these people had a beef beforehand. Maybe they had some words at a bar. Maybe they were just, I don't know, maybe they just bumped into each other. And this guy just decided this person was becoming a target of their violence and frustration. So one of the things I always want to remind people about is the concept of reprisal. You may think that you got one up on somebody in a joke, in a bar, in a heated exchange, or in a debate, but you've also just, peaked, you know, you've just poked somebody and you've just gotten under their skin and you've hurt their pride. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, and you're out and about, and you're in situations where this kind of violence can ensue, dark at night, places where there's a lot of alcohol being served or drugs, people being a little crazy. You got to think to yourself, I got to keep my head on a swivel because I just hurt somebody's pride. You have to expect reprisal. I do this all the time. Like people will get into heated exchanges with me over politics or culture or just some theological debate or even something as idiotic as like, I don't know, your favorite TV show and somebody's just too amped up. And maybe I score a point on them in a conversation, right? I get a good zinger in there. First thing I do is I watch for any violent clues from that individual, right? some pre fight indicators because you don't, you never know. Yeah, that would be a good example right here. You never know. And that's the thing is if you always expect violence to some degree or another, or at least you're prepared for it, you can avoid this kind of scenario to some degree. Now let's take that off the table. You're in it. You've got people approaching you like this scenario. Well, the first thing you got to understand is, is that if people are coming up to you aggressively And they're dressed like they're from the hood and they're already getting heated, don't try to have a conversation with them, especially if they are ushering over a giant group of other people who look like they're from the hood and are also heated.
2: Is that not discrimination though or like
1: – It uh, could be the same thing as if you were hanging out in a bad part of town that was run by a bunch of Japanese Yakuza and you see dudes with a bunch of tattoos and sunglasses on and they start coming up to you acting real heated and they can usher over 13 of their friends. Same rule applies.
2: I think that's a white thing because I would think sushi, but whatever. <laughs> Go back to what you're
1: <laughs> Point is is that when you see people approaching you in this aggressive manner, especially in a large group, don't stay there. Mm-hmm. You are not obligated to talk to them. You're not obligated to be reasonable anymore. It's not a reasonable situation. Keep mm-hmm. your feet moving and move fast.
2: Gets the stepping.
1: to the stepping. And if you have to run, run. Um, but don't feel like the social contract applies anymore. Don't feel like you have to maintain your dignity or your pride or act normal. If I've got some guy acting super squirrely and he's like, yo, y'all come over here. i will be like, why are you running? And I'll be like,
2: mm-hmm. see
1: ya. And, that's, and then the scenario is over. Or you can be like this person and get your head stomped in.
2: They had to blur out his head.
1: Yeah, it gets it gets rough. Yeah. Now, as far as the actual assault. All right. You're in it. You couldn't get away. You didn't have the force. You didn't think fast enough. And boom, you're starting to be attacked by an entire mob of people. There's a couple basic premises that you want to keep in mind, regardless of how much martial arts training or fight experience or martial, you know, law enforcement training or whatever that you've had, you want to keep your feet underneath you. You want to stay upright, mm-hmm. no matter how much damage you're taking, if you go to the ground Now you're in serious, serious trouble,
2: which is what happened to that guy. Which is what happened
1: Mm -hmm. now. He got rendered unconscious, which is why he ended up on the Mm -hmm. ground. However, if you have to fight a mob, the best thing you can do is get your hands up and cover your dome, right? Mm -hmm. Prevent the, prevent the control center from getting shut down. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can keep that going, you're going to take a lot of beatings elsewhere and it's going to hurt, but you can still withstand that for a while. While you try to find an escape route or wait for help or to get clear or to get between, get something between you and them, but you got to keep your feet moving. Mm -hmm. So cover your head and keep moving. If you're thinking about fighting back against 15 people, get that crap out of your head right freaking now. It doesn't matter how well trained you are. You are outgunned. You are outmatched. Your objective is escape, 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 escape. All right. This isn't the matrix where you get to fight off a bazillion agent Smiths, right? You're not
2: Chuck Norris. You are
1: not that good. I'm not that good right? I don't like those odds. So what you want to do is cover your head, keep your feet mobile, keep your legs underneath you as best you can. Try not to get knocked down. From there, if you need to take swings to keep people off of you or to cause damage or to distract them or to slow them down, use punches, use straight simple punches, aim for their head and keep bringing your hands back to cover you. That's about the extent of it. There's actually an older video that I didn't think about downloading of um, what looks like somebody from like a like an Asian country, and he's got a bunch of guys attacking him in a row, maybe about six of them, and he just keeps backpedaling and throwing one-twos, and you could tell he has boxing training or something similar, and he just keeps knocking these guys down, and they're charging him full force, but he just keeps knocking them down one at a time, one at a time, he keeps backpedaling, and it's the simplest thing in the world, but he actually tactically does almost the exactly the right thing. Hmm. He had one basic weapon that worked really well, kept his feet underneath him, kept mobility, didn't let them swarm him, and never ended up on the ground, mm-hmm. and he actually ended up winning the fight and getting away, which was hilarious to watch. So that would be an example of how you could do this right if you didn't have a force multiplier like a weapon. Now, here's the next question people ask me: like, okay, well, there's there's the tactics, there's the you know there's there's the there's the legality issue. Here's the here's the legal aspect of this. Whether you're a man or a woman, you're trained or untrained. The amount of force you use in a self-defense encounter has to be objectively reasonable given the totality of the circumstances. If I'm being attacked by one skinny black kid because he's got a beef with me and I blow his head off after he slaps me, I'm going to jail. If, however, he slaps me and then ushers over 13 of his also angry friends to create a mob beatdown, it's now a lethal force situation. Because I could very well be killed and very likely could, especially if I get stomped on while I'm unconscious. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: At that point, bang, 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 right? Do what you have to do to get away. Don't be thinking about doing anything merciful like sticking your gun up in the air and going like this. First of all, that may not actually deter them. Second of all, it's irresponsible. You don't know where the bullet's going to land. And third of all, it's a life-saving situation. You need to shoot somebody to save your life. Maybe multiple somebodies. So if you have that option and you feel like you're in mob violence and you know that this is going badly for you, you couldn't talk them down, you couldn't escape, your hands are useless at this point, nobody's coming to help you, nobody's backing off, and it seems like this could seriously end you, start shooting.
2: You know what? This reminds me of... um uh, this morning I was watching of with Crowder, and they were talking about abortion. I know this sounds way off, but they were talking about personal responsibility. Right. And what you were just saying right then is like, okay, you don't want to shoot up in the air; you want to stay on your feet. Blah blah blah. You have to train to to be able to do that in a split second. I mean, because what you're talking about happens within a few seconds. It doesn't happen. You don't get. Could be less
1: than a second. Yeah, sure. you, you
2: don't get that much time to think about it. And so I think even as conservatives. It isn't like if you're going to own a gun, we already know you need to be training. You need to be um, a a responsible gun owner. I Mm. think if you're going to go out, you need to be responsible there as well. And I think as conservatives, I mean, that may fall under. I mean, it's a little bit lower, but that may fall under the personal responsibility uh, thing that we so hold dear.
1: Well, you know, and I agree with you. Another thing that comes up, and I think a lot of people will ask me about this, is what about at protests? What if you're in the middle of like a protest?
2: You Proud Boy him.
1: Well, <laughs> Knock them Well, we've seen how that works out for Proud Boys, though. So well, just
2: don't wear the colors. <laughs> my yeah, my,
1: my thing would be is this is, look, I would never tell anybody not to exercise their constitutional right to
0: defend peacefully themselves.
1: protest and to oh. defend themselves mm-hmm. if necessary. The problem is, is that protesting in and of itself and rioting has become so politicized and so controlled that. You simply showing up and not being left wing means that you're going to be looked at differently in the eyes of the law. And I think everybody with a brain knows this. And so, you know, if you think to yourself, well, okay, maybe maybe I am a proud boy or I'm somebody who's similar in terms of politics and beliefs, and I show up to a protest and the Antifa is on the other side and I get mobbed by 15 Antifa and I start throwing blows well, who's gonna get arrested, me or the Antifa? Mm-hmm. Who knows? It all depends on the magistrate, what district you're in and how politically uh, motivated they
2: are. No, oh, you're 100% And right. a
1: lot of people um, got up in arms a couple of years ago because of a gentleman who went to Oregon to uh, watch some of these protests, I believe he was a journalist, and he started getting intimidated by a crowd of people with weapons trying to uh, march up on him and threatening him with violence. And he pulled out his gun and he held it at his side and he told them all to get back and held up his other hand as he backpedaled. They ended up arresting him and putting him in jail for it, even though that's a perfectly legal move, even in a freaking terrorist state of Oregon.
2: But doesn't this go back to what you say, and you've, you've said this several times since last year, is conservatives need to come together. We need to create our own um, ivory towers. And one of those ivory towers is what Kamala Harris did, is... Bail. Bail. We need bail to have, funds. Like, if, if, someone, if someone like you goes to a mm-hmm. protest and then you protect yourself and you defend yourself mm-hmm. lawfully and then they arrest you and they throw the book at you and whatever else because you lean right, excuse me, you lean very right. Uh, Falling off the cliff. Right, exactly. Like We need to have a fun where it's like, okay, we, this there's a guy named Scott Harris in Raleigh. In Raleigh we got to get him out of there. You know what I mean? Get Absolutely
1: agree. But going back to the use of force just to wrap up this segment. Oh yeah, sorry. Got a subject. Um, <laughs> the, the question would be, How to survive a mob beatdown. First of all, look for reprisals or opportunities for reprisal. If you're out with your girl and it's a drinking night and there's lots of drunk people around and you bump shoulders with somebody and they just give you that look, that dead eye stare that people do when they really look like they're looking for heat. Maybe keep your head on a swivel because maybe he's going to go and get a bunch of his friends and just decide that you're the person they want to step on that night.
2: I usually try to keep my head on a swivel anyway. Yeah. But I'm so cute. Nobody wants to mess with me
1: mm-hmm this they just trip- want to
2: put me in their pocket and take me home
1: they do they do
2: put me on the shelves.
1: but she's mine so back off um the other thing is is if you actually end up in the fight and you're fighting a lot of people again your objective is not to win your objective is to escape alive stay on your feet cover your control center your head throw simple punches simple strikes and keep covering your head and move 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 last but not least avoid situations where you know you're going to end up in mob violence, especially in politically heated events where the law may or may not have your back, Mm -hmm. all right? Maybe you are one of those people who just loves the thrill of the fight and you want to get out there and you want to put on your MAGA shirt and your Stars and Stripes helmet and you want to go toe-to-toe with Antifa. Well, if you get mobbed by 15 of those people and then you panic and you whack one of them in the head with a baton, they'll probably put you in jail for a real serious felony. We can try to bail you Mm. out, man, but you're still going to end up in prison,
2: Mm.
1: right? So think about that before you attend these events. In any case, that will wrap up my use of force.
2: Boom. Uh, Before we go on to the next segment, I have two um, important uh, um, announcements. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I just sipped a drink. I got a sip of drink. And it dribbled off my lip. And then I was really embarrassed (laughs) in front of the camera on the live internet. (laughs) She's so
1: cute. You want to put her in your pocket, dribbles and all.
2: (laughs) I was like, oh man, that just happened. (laughs) Secondly, secondly, I'm wearing my beret and I'm now calling it my lucky beret. I don't believe in luck, but for the sake of it, this is my lucky beret because I was proposed to in this beret. Oh,
1: and she said yes. I surely did. Oh, that was a great vacation. He
2: had a gun. <laughs> I didn't have a choice.
1: <laughs> That's how this whole show operates, really, at gunpoint.
2: Uh, speaking of guns, let's do the racial retort. We haven't done this in a while, I don't think. What? I don't, it doesn't have anything to do with guns, but I didn't know how to s- segue well, into it. Well, we
1: need ourselves a little transition.
2: Oh, yes. Do it! For the people that don't remember racial retort, it's where we make fun of each other's races uh, simply by asking questions, because I don't understand white people in, in a lot of ways. Um, even the quietness of white people, I have realized um, uh, over last week is it's actually a thing. <laughs> uh, so things like that. So this is racial retort <laughs>
1: Racial Aunt. All right, fire away, darling. You get first salvo.
2: Let's see. Hmm. White people, why do you feel the need to talk with a smidge of ghetto when you talk to Negroes?
1: Oh man, we totally do that, don't we? Mm-hmm. That's so awkward.
2: So there's this word that my aunt that passed away in 2017. She didn't create it, but she kind of made it like famous within our like social circle. Uh-huh. And it's S-H-O, show. Show. So if somebody says, there it is. <laughs> so if someone says something, you agree, you'd be like, show. Show. And so we were, I got in the car with Scott one day and I said something. He said, show. And I was like, what? What was that? Are you
1: pandering to me?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Show. Do it again. Uh,
1: Show. Why is it so much funnier when I do it? Show. Show. (laughs) All right. My question. Black people. Are there black men out there who prefer small butts?
2: Nope.
1: (laughs) Every black man in the universe just went, nope.
2: Even the ones that are dating white women. The white woman always got a big booty. That's definitely true. Every, when I'm in the car, every now and then I'll get a black guy that's like, hey, girl. What up, what up girl? And I'm like, hey. And then I get out of the car and they walk away. <laughs> Ouch.
1: Just not enough happening downstairs, huh? Ugh. Can't have them all.
2: Also, <laughs> oh, I have um, white in my lineage. I told you about my great-great uncle. His name was Pompey. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was mixed. His One of his parents was white. So I think the white came and just bit me real hard.
1: Mm. I won't bite you real hard. Anyway, <laughs> stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me a question.
2: Oh, it's my turn. Yes, it is. Um, uh, white women. I don't know if you understand this because you're not a woman, but maybe you can speak on their behalf. White women, when are y'all going to stop paying big money to get plastic surgery to look like how we do naturally? Booty, lips. I guess when the
1: Kardashians aren't cool anymore.
2: The Kardashians aren't bland.
1: No, but they are Armenian, which means they can pass as white. And a lot of white women watch them and hold them in the same beauty standards.
2: You don't think Beyonce and Lizzo? White women aren't getting butt
1: implants because of Lizzo and because of Beyonce. They're getting it because of the Kardashians. So we still can't
2: even get credit for that is what you're telling me? Pretty
1: much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Does
2: any anybody that's black watching watching have any questions for Scott?
1: <laughs> In the meantime. Can we double team him? Black people. Why do you run across a busy street at night? Do you not realize you're naturally camouflaged? <laughs> Seriously.
2: <laughs> There's only certain I think I feel like that's a homeless man thing.
1: You're gonna end up a pinwheel on a sidewalk and a candle. You're that's gonna a- be a votive candle candle and a pinwheel and a little paper cross next to the sidewalk.
2: That's so a- homeless black man thing
1: I feel like it's like or it'll be like young teenage black kids they'll have like a black hoodie with the hood and they're wearing black and they're wearing like black sneakers (laughs) and like dark wash jeans and they're just like running with their hands down at their side all awkward like naruto in front of my car at like three in the morning naruto yeah you know like the little ninja from like the nickelodeon show back in the day
2: whatever But you, you you you're right that is a thing.
1: Seriously, stop doing that.
2: Have I asked you about washing your meat?
1: <laughs> what? I'm sorry, expand on that.
2: I just realized what I said.
1: You just realized that wasn't part of the joke? No, it was. not That was an inverted meat really, reference.
2: No, I was. How does one
1: make a reference like that on accident?
2: I was really asking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: My meat is clean,
2: thank you. <laughs> Next question. No, that's no <laughs> What uh, the what, what do you have against washing your meat when you cook? And hands, for that matter. What do you mean, have what do we
1: have against washing our meat?
2: I think y'all just take your meat out of the package and just throw it in the pan. But black people like like to use like lemons and rinse it off at the very least.
1: It depends on the type of meat.
2: You do that to chicken, I guess.
1: Yeah. Chicken or pork, maybe pork. Mm -hmm. But if it's like beef or something else, when you put it on a skillet or whatever, it's going to kill off any of the diseases on there. Chicken, you take some extra steps with just to be sure. Or pork because you might get worms, but you're going to waste your time doing that with beef. Can you
2: wash off a worm? What do you mean? I'm talking about like washing your meat. Can you wash a worm out of a pork?
1: I think you can disinfect it a bit. But like, yeah, like you're going to have to cook it at a good temperature. That's really the only thing that's going to prevent...
2: Like with a cloth,
1: parasites, but wiping, it's not going to do it. Who got anything. that
2: reference? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hillary, um, I have another, but you have to answer the second part and your hands for that matter. I feel like white people have a hard time with like the hand washing. Like they're like, I just washed it the other day.
1: I don't know. I, I don't know if that's just like, because I used to be a bouncer to strip club security. I used to go into the bathroom to make sure people weren't doing weird stuff in there, like drugs or whatever. And it is, like, over 40%. All races ain't washing their hands after they use the bathroom. So I don't know if this is an exclusively white thing.
2: Is is it because they're drunk?
1: No, it's just because they're dudes.
2: But don't y'all touch it? Yeah. Aim?
1: Kind of have to, yeah. It's not like girls where you just kind of, like, spray everywhere. Like, we actually have to aim it. (laughs)
2: First of all, it's more like it drops.
1: (laughs) I don't know how your physics work. Point is, is that, yeah, you have to grab the apparatus in order to aim it.
2: Do you wash your hands? Yes. Thoroughly.
1: Thoroughly. Like a piece of dirty chicken. (laughs) 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 Anyway, my last question for the black folks. Is, is the reason that so many young black men don't wear belts in their pants because they're still traumatized by their mothers hitting them with them? <laughs> I mean, y'all are sagging. Is it just because you're like, Mommy, no! I ain't wearing no belt! Got hit with it too many times! No! I'm just gonna let my ass hang out.
2: Seriously, pull up your pants,
1: you retards.
2: <laughs> You're not supposed to say retard. That's, just, that's offensive.
1: Have you heard anything I've said on this show before? Is that really the line we're drawing? Yes. All right, fair enough.
2: Line drawn. All right. I said retard in a video uh, years ago. Um, some political video I made. I can't remember. Or I was being interviewed by somebody. I said something was retarded. And my my brother works with um, children and sometimes special needs. <laughs> and he was like, "Zing!" It you can't say that. I was like, what? You can't say retarded. They have changed the language. I was like, oh, come on. Who's Who's,
1: they? And I never agreed to it.
2: Liberal white women.
1: Sorry, you don't get to set my language parameters anyway. That has been our most recent racial retort.
2: Thank you. That was fun. Yes. Okay, now we're going to do where you get to know Scotty and I. Get to know Scott and Z. Mm, mm, mm. That's, that's funky some good stuff. that's funky mm. so we have a few videos that we are not going to play because I don't trust this, <laughs> thing. <laughs> this thing is it, us. it like it literally was pouring down like cats and dogs outside and that may be uh the you, reason.
1: Wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how hard she worked to get all these videos lined up and edited and precise and everything and then when that thing started doing that you could just see her heart drop she's like
2: yeah because i i edit these videos so they're not super long we take out the dead air and blah 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 blah. so they're more precise and they you know this time it's just like nah heffa I ain't doing nothing. So anyway. Mm. Um, so this is uh what I love. And I had a video of Xena Warrior Princess.
1: Oh, you love if, Xena. If, if
2: Nay Logan is watching, yes, girl. That is her jam. This is my jam. I've been I re I've started to rewatch the series. I think this is my third or fourth time rewatching the series. What
1: do you what season are you on right now?
2: Um season three.
1: How many times would you estimate she has said, yeah, 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 yeah," while flipping?
2: No, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. I can't do it. Then you're fine. But maybe you can do it. I can do it, but I won't do it in this microphone because it's going to be loud.
1: (laughs) I want you to lean back, lean back a little bit. Now give us the full Xena warrior cry. (laughs) Come on.
2: Thank you. That was fantastic. Thank you. That was really good. Xena Warrior Princess is something I love. The clip that I had was her... The, the, the name of the episode is called Army of One. And she's fighting an army of men. Her friend is up on the top level of a barn dying from poison. And she can't help her. And she's just like using her chakram and... And she's killing people. She's got all these men. She's got all these booby traps ready. It was off the chain. And the reason why I like the show is because I can do none of that physically. (laughs) Not yet. We were training. And then I started getting super sick. Mm -hmm. Uh, but one day, hopefully, I'll be Zena Warrior Princess. We'll I don't get think you there. I'll ever be able to do a backflip or anything like that. I can't
1: teach you chakrams, but I can teach you just about everything else.
2: I'll find an Indian to teach me chakrams <laughs> <Right>. and <laughs> teach me how to throw a chakram, and then for it to come back and me to catch it like this, and I'll just ha- I perpetually have a hook and
1: not it. lose your fingers while catching it.
2: So Zena is um, my spirit animal. That's why I love it.
1: Well, for everything that she loves, there's something that she hates equally. Tell us about it, my darling.
2: So there's this channel that I like to watch called Warrior Poet. And it's this guy that was a a ranger in the army and he does like pistol trainings and AR-15 trainings or ARs. Great channel. He's, he's great. And he, he's a Christian man as well. Uh, very, very Christian. And uh he's he's created this whole like mini empire called Warrior Poet. And uh like I have a t-shirt. He he sells knives, he meets people all over the world, goes to Kenya and stuff like that, meets these people that are really good at killing other people in certain ways, so like knife people, gun people, hand to hand combat people. And his channel's really interesting. Well, his wife, who he calls Mrs. Okay. Poet, um, recently, uh I think last week, came out with a video on Instagram. And they've been trying to adopt. They have two sons and they've been trying to adopt a child. Well, what I hate about this situation is that because he and his wife, because of ideological and like their because of their conventions, convictions, they won't get the vaccine. They won't get the coronavirus vaccine. Well, the agency that they were using, and I mean, they've spent time and money and and, and all of the kinds of resources at working with this agency. And the agency said, sorry, because you won't get the vaccine, you can't adopt a child. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm all for abolishing, you know, and getting rid of Roe v. Wade and abolishing abortion. We got to fix that system. The adoption um, system. Adoption system sucks. The uh, foster care system sucks. And so I still don't think that I think we fixed the system. And that's not a good excuse as to why we should, um, you know, murder someone that's innocent. But that that's a hot freaking mess. And so I'm guessing they can go to another agency, but they may have to start all over now. They may have to uh, start all over with their money and time and everything. And she's, she was really pissed about it and I'm pissed for her.
1: I would be too. All right. Well, I guess it's my turn. Yes. Uh, Something I love. I was kind of stoked to show this video too, because there's not a lot of things that get like, like put a smile on my face just by thinking about them. But I actually love this show that much. It's the way she loves Xena. I love this show and um, it's an anime and I, I know how some people feel about anime, but to me um, I was a film production student before I, uh, I moved out East and I've always loved narratives in any shape or form. Give me a, give me a good story. Give me a good yarn. I don't care how you give it to me, whether it's in poetry, flash fiction, graphic novel, comic, anime, big budget, Hollywood blockbuster book. I don't care. I want a good story and I'll gobble them all up. And so I love anime as a storytelling, storytelling medium. And I think some of the best stories that I've ever seen were in anime. Um, I don't know why that is, but I'll tell you what, with all the woke BS that they are putting on television nowadays, I'm finding myself going back and watching like nineties and early aughts anime more and more and more just because it's just not so weighed down and bogged down by all this cultural BS. It's just good stories with good characters that are compelling. And the show I wanted to talk about was Hajime no Ippo, um, which doesn't translate particularly well, like some Japanese stuff does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's sort of like Ippo uh, the fighter. And it's a story about a young Japanese kid. He's 17 who is getting bullied and he's kind of out on the outside. And he's uh, being raised by a single mom who runs a fishing boat. And uh, what they do is they you know, take people out on this boat, you know, at like three o'clock in the morning. He has to get up and help her, and then he has to go to school, and then he has to come back and he has to work, and he basically has no life. And you can tell he's a real sweet, kind of awkward, good-natured kid, and he's constantly getting harassed by bullies. Well, one day, he's getting the tar kicked out of him, and he encounters a guy who intervenes and helps him, and this turns out to be a a um, a rising star in the boxing world who is just balls-for-the-wall badass. He's also a gruff, obnoxious terror, <laughs> but he ends up becoming an EPO's mentor. And what this does is this starts him down a path of, he asks, he asks him a simple question, what does it mean to be so strong when this guy intervenes? As he tearfully sort of thanks him for helping him out. And, uh, and you realize that it's not really about the fight. It wasn't really about the bullies. Like right there, this is the brilliance of the show, is that it's, it's about the fact that he has no dad. It's about the fact that he has no friends. He has no time to have a real life. He's not particularly bright, so he's not going anywhere in life that he's really super proud of. He doesn't really have anything that's his. And this guy sort of just saw somebody getting beat up and felt like he had to intervene just out of guilt, basically. Like, oh, I can't just stand here and not do anything. But this ends up creating a relationship, which... Um, ultimately leads to Ippo becoming, you know, the featherweight champion of Mm -hmm. Japan. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love so much about the show is, is that every person that he encounters, whether it's a a heckler in the crowd, whether it's like um, uh, somebody who comes into the boxing gym to train with him or somebody who he beats the absolute living tar out of in an actual boxing match, professional boxing match, they always become better people for having met him. He either inspires them to become better just by his sheer like goodwill and hard attitude, hard, you know, hardworking attitude um, or through just his sheer will, willpower and perseverance to fight mm-hmm. through absolute hell to get to the end. Or just because he's such a good natured guy and he's so simply just he, he's kind of a he's kind of a cherub in a lot of ways, like part of one of the, a lot of the comedy of the show revolves around him being so dorkily awkward. But then when he's in the match, he's like actual killer. And the dichotomy is part of what's hilarious about his character. But um, I can't recommend this show enough. And honestly, with all the other terrible stuff out there, that's just got way too much sex in it. Way too much like over the top messaging and LGBT nonsense. Like this show is far more wholesome than a lot of shows that are out there. And I know some people get concerned about anime. Like, are we just going to see like panties all the time? And is it going to be weird, creepy jokes and that sort of thing? Actually, no. Uh, this is probably one of the cleaner shows I've ever seen. And, um, you know, with the exception of a few silly, like, gross teenage boy type humor jokes here and there. And it's something that I would comfortably watch with, like, one of my kids. And I think I would actually like to have them see.
2: When they're 17. Yeah,
1: well. In any case, uh, Hajime no Ippo. Fantastic show. Even if you're an adult, um, it's it's really worth a watch. Um, now, things I like hate. And this is kind of a broader category. It's not really anything specific, although I'll give some examples. I hate series, whether it's a book or a TV show that doesn't know how to wrap it up. Like, seriously, um, Lost really pissed me off because I started watching and it had one of the most compelling pilot episodes I'd ever seen. You know, when that when they crashed and people are getting sucked into turbines and it's like, oh, my gosh, they're on this tropical island that kind of looks suspiciously like Hawaii. And then all of a sudden you have some weird, creepy noise and things moving through the trees toward the beach. And then, boom, it cuts off. I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm going to watch this and see where this goes. But by the time I got through maybe about five episodes of the second season, I immediately recognized what I was. I was a guinea pig for someone's social experiment. This show had no purpose. It had no direction. It had no end. It was nothing. Mm -hmm. It was literally just them randomly putting crap together in the most compelling way that they could just see how long we would keep watching. and. They even reinforced this when the creator went out there and he did like a public public talk where he held like a like a box, like a little black box. And he kept saying things and he was talking to the crowd and he kept like gesturing to the box that he was gonna move it and open it, but they didn't even like take his hands off it. And then he would kind of go back to it. And everyone's like,
2: Isn't that just suspense?
1: <laughs> exactly. And the point that he was trying to make was, is that you can build an entire series merely on using tools and tricks and screenwriting techniques in order to keep an audience in suspense and keep them coming back. But you can literally have an empty box.
2: I was going to say, so it's no, it's no real storyline or plot or interesting um, development. It's just suspense.
1: Right. And in that case, that stuff drives me nuts because in a way it's insulting as an audience member. And I just don't have the time to be watching your stupid crap while you Mm -hmm. sit over there and intellectually masturbate to yourself because you're so clever. Now, um, Another example would be something like Deadwood. This was a fantastic show that I loved, loved, love, right? There was two series of Deadwood, and then it inexplicably got canceled or whatever, but it wasn't going anywhere. You could tell it just it didn't seem like it really had a point. It was like you had these two kind of guys running the town. You had the law enforcement guy, and then you had like the guy who ran the bar brothel, and you know, they would come to head to head. But it was it was kind of like a character study of a lot of really fascinating characters, but there was no real plot. Mm-hmm. Or Game of Thrones, which, you know, the, the the author of the books himself literally stopped writing and then they just kept the series going and kind of made it up as they went it, hmm. it, and they didn't know how to wrap it up. It's like you don't write a story just so that you can milk your audience. You don't keep a series going just so that you can drag it out. Write it with an end in sight so that you can give them something good. Give the characters a good send off, wrap it up in a neat little bow and move the F on. Like, I can't stand it.
2: Mm.
1: Anyway, that's that's my uh, thing I hate.
2: Duly noted. Okay, I'm going to change the show, the show map. I'm going to try to show you this video. So mm. this is going to be a Scotty Reacts, and I <laughs> am praying to God that this video plays because it is freaking hilarious, and you're going to hate it, and I know you are. But remember the rule.
1: I can't say anything while it's playing.
2: Right, so this is Scotty Reacts stupidish. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, Scotty. Oh, Scotty, you ready? I'm ready. Please, Lord, have mercy. I saw the Well, this is good enough, though. So, okay, so for, for those who are listening and you can't see, <laughs> I'm so sad. What did you
1: just make me watch? I'm
2: so sad. Wait, let me try again. No. I- oh, that's good. You're, you see it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what I'm seeing is what looks like a bunch of gay, maybe no. straight male models. It's. Looking like they're being put up against a wall for like a force, like a search or like an arrest. Yes. And then they're kind of looking <laughs> flirtatiously at the camera. Yes. This so,
2: so what this is, this is a TikTok tock uh, like trend. This one guy started it. And what it is, is like, like these young guys who th- I guess they think they're sexy they're hot. They pretend like they're getting arrested. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're looking at their girlfriend and they're like, they, they say, they can either say something like, I love you, like mouth it. Or they like do something sexy. So like this one kid, they like pretend like they're struggling and they're struggling. And then they turn when the music drops, that beat drops, shines bright, and it kind of like like there's like a damper on it or whatever. They turn around their heads like on that drop, and they can like lick their lips, like or they just kind of look like sexy. And then they have like fake cuts and stuff. Every, so um, everything
1: about this offends me.
2: React to that stupidness. <laughs> everything
1: about this offends me. First of all, none of those people look like they have girlfriends. None of those guys look like they have girlfriends. They, they look, all look like they underaged. look like they have boyfriends. Okay. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, this sounds like one of those things that would come out of Russia. Like, I don't know if anybody ever watches like Russian videos or social media trends or anything, but this just smacks of post-Soviet block humor slash I'm looking for internet clout. Well, like, this one's
2: in Spanish. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> it's a worldwide <laughs> phenomenon now, folks. Sexy arrest. <laughs> Honestly, this doesn't offend me as much as some of the crap you've shown me. This is just. dumb. I'm not
2: trying to offend you. This I just, just want you dumb. to react to it.
1: Well, I'm just saying that's that's how I reacted. They were usually offended, but this one this is just dumb. Um, TikTok, I, gotta love it. You know what? I just it just went through my head. You're going to make me do one of those for the show now for comic relief, Absolutely aren't you?
2: Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I will not. <laughs> We will not. We will not play into that stupid issue. Oh no! <laughs> she says that now. No, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing sexy about. That. First of all, they all look underage. Like if I would try to be like, "Hey there, you want a beer?" They'd be like, "Let me go ask my mom."
1: My mom gave me the minivan. You want to go out? I have it until midnight. If I don't get home, she'd take my allowance.
2: <laughs> That's what they look like. They all look like they were underage. So. Uh, not sexy. Not uh, sexy. No, either. but anyway. Not straight either. Um, I'm going to show you the full version after the show's over because I really want you to see it.
1: Listen, folks, we are so sorry about the technical issues. We don't know what is killing our videos. Obviously, the devil's out. He's a prowling and he's trying to mess with our technology.
2: Lord Jesus, there's a fire.
1: Jesus, be a fence. <laughs> but- there it is. You heard it, guys. You heard it. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You heard it. I keep taking on zingisms without realizing it. Like I've I start saying shiggy at work. I gonna. Is this what happens in couples? I don't know. This we is the longest relationship I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, it better be. You're getting married to me now. Yeah, it's gonna be my girl for life.
2: So, do we want to do the next one or do we want to end this? What I you think
1: do? you have enough time for your ladies' listen.
2: And I don't talk as long as you, so it'll be great. I'll Way be to even, get that jab in there I'll for be no reason. I'll the time. <laughs>
1: Passive aggressive.
2: <laughs> so this is ladies' listen. <laughs> so I stole this ladies' listen. This is not mine. This is my aunt Sheila. Shout out to Aunt She-She. Um, I called her the other morning. I was pissed, pissed, and she uh, talked me off a cliff ish. <laughs> and um, and she was pretty much telling me that there's when you when you start to get stressed. And you got all these things going on. So I was just like, I got this going on. I got that going on. I got this. When Scott proposed to me, I was so happy. And then it dawned on me, holy crap, a wife? <gasps> and then it was like a dress? <clears throat> then it was like a caterer? <clears throat> a venue? <clears throat> on top of other things, you know, like, all, like there's other um, major changes that I'm making in my life um, at the same time. And there's other things that I want to change And so all of this stuff is piling on top of me. And I'm like, Aunt Shishi, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got that. And she's like, girl, you need to give it to God. And it sounds like church mom stuff, but it reminded me of different scriptures that are like, uh, like when it talks about abiding. And I think you and I talked about this um, last week or I can't remember, uh, recently. And it was like, you know, you have the fruits of the spirit in Galatians. And the only way, like I, it doesn't happen magically. The only way it can happen is if you are in, quote, in the spirit, which pretty much means when you are, quote, abiding in God. And I realize one of the things I haven't been doing a lot of lately is because I've been going and going with the show and events and you and I going hanging out with our new circle of friends. And then I got this relationship, walking Wilbur and all this other stuff going on is I haven't been abiding consistently and what that means is I show the fruits of me, which is fear, control, anxiety, slight bit of depression. And that has been something I've been fighting for, I don't know, a, a little bit, a little bit here. And then when you asked me to marry you, I had this euphoric. I mean, I was serenading you on a, on a bicycle and it was wonderful. And then that evening I was like, <gasps> I felt like Joe Biden. I was like, oh, my God, a wife. And then I started thinking about other things I don't have together and it scared the crap out of me. And it still, it still scares me. But those are, that's all me. That's not, that's not God, God's fruit. That's not love, joy, peace, peace. Jeez. Peace. Sorry. <laughs> It's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. uh, 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 I'm skipping one because I can't remember what it is. Uh, Gentleness, self-control. It's not any of that. I'm not showing self-control. I'm not showing uh, patience. I'm not showing joy, love, peace. I'm showing the exact opposite of all of those things. So I want to encourage anyone that is listening, ladies, guys, whatever. I guess it's the only two, right? Ladies, guys, um, if you're feeling all of these really, really big negative things, like I, I rem- I've had anxiety attacks before. I haven't had in a few years, but I, I have been in that place. We were actually talking th- about that with Stephanie and like how like cr- how, how intense it can be. I've had those intense moments of fear and um, feeling like I lost control. Um, and then what I would do in my mind is let me gain more control instead of just like releasing it. That's why I think it's important to have someone that you – Fear, quote fear, um, that you reverence, that you honor, that you respect, that's bigger than yourself, because technically that person that person should be able to handle more than you can. That's why we pray. Like people say, oh, like your thoughts and prayers. It's just because the like tragedies, like what happened in Las Vegas, is too much for us to handle. We have to pray and give it to a higher power. Like that's literally all we're doing. It's like this exchange: I give you my fear, you give me peace. So. That's kind of where I am right now. I'm not saying I have it. You know, I kind of like restarted myself today, this morning, just like reading my Bible. I'm like, God, I'm just starting somewhere. Um, I feel like I need to to reset here. And um, so I'm in the middle of it. And that's why this is my ladies listen. Even though it's not mine, it's my aunt, she's. Thank you, aunt Sheila. Uh, Yeah, that's my ladies listen. Hopefully that made sense. If it didn't, DM me and we can talk about it.
1: Well, I think for the record, you're going to make a great wife. I hope so. And I'm hoping Hopefully I won't beat gonna... you too much. Um,
2: Every once in a while. And not a sexy beating like a, you know, you're going to be walking around with your pants sagging. Well, dang. Because you scared of your belt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> see the jokes in your head now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thanks, folks, for tuning in with us. For those of you who are listening to the audio version of the show, it was a fantastic normal episode with great audio. For those of you who are watching it, I deeply apologize. (laughs) I don't know what happened. It's not her fault. We just got struck with some bad luck, and we're going to have to do some research and figure out why it happened.
2: And I wore my lucky beret.
1: Yeah, she did. She wore a lucky beret, (laughs) which wasn't so lucky, apparently. (laughs) Um, In closing, what I'd like to add is is that uh, we brought Stephanie Hopkins in for a reason. Because she said some things that really got me excited. Because I'd never heard them from a law enforcement official before. Um, having having worked with and worked around these folks, it sounded like talking to a fellow officer, not somebody in the administration. But give her a look, check out her platform, see if she's someone who aligns with your beliefs. I think for a lot of you, if you're the kind of people who tune into our podcast or our show, do you like butter? This is going to be the candidate for you if you're in Wake County, North Carolina. And I think that she would be a nice sea change from the typical faces and the typical politics that we see in those capacities. Um, law enforcement's in a predicament right now, mm-hmm. everywhere in the world, everywhere in the Western world, they're mm-hmm. being forced to make difficult decisions about the they will and will not enforce. Mm-hmm. And right now it's the time to choose. And we need soldiers mm-hmm. on the front lines. We need real cops who care about the constitution, who care about Liberty more than saving people from themselves because of some 0.03% chance that they might die if they're over a certain age because of some ever-changing virus and a bunch of tyrannical nitwits in the White House. You either have somebody who cares about their community and is willing to make the understanding and wise decision to back off Mm -hmm. when tyranny is encroaching, and to not enforce tyrannical mandates, or you can have somebody who's just going to not go along with the, to get along and turn this into freaking Australia.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, choose wisely. And law enforcement, I'm warning you. I've always had your back. Don't push it. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks. Do you for tuning like butter?
2: <laughs> Do you back the blue? Then you're gonna love Stephanie Hopkins. <laughs>
1: Raheem's going to make
0: a thing now. <laughs> You know he is. See you guys. Have a good Thank night, you. everybody. Love you.